Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. Hiya folks, you're listening to Two Men in the Mouse, episode 255, recorded live on the YDF Media Network on August 29th, 2023. This is your everyday guide to the magic of Walt Disney World and the larger Disney universe beyond it. My name is Kevin Kessler, and I am joined as always by my good buddy, Peter Mandel. Hey Kev. My friend, how are you doing today? I'm doing alright, how are you? I am doing good. We're in, we're in hurricane prep mode, but uh, oh, we'll that's get there. right. I've read about. It. Yeah, we'll get there, uh, folks. We are two lifelong Disney fanatics who manage to keep the magic of Disney alive in our lives every day, and we want to share that magic with you. So, pull up a chair, gather the family, or pop in your favorite set of headphones, and let's experience the magic together. Beat, Kevin. Before we jump in, I think everybody. The big question on everybody's mind is, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm okay. I'm all right. It was a, uh, I got like a 24 hour bug that like kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit, but I, I, I'm okay. Good yeah. You, yeah. You were pretty, um, pretty, out I of almost, it. I almost never get sick and I never say I can't do the show if I'm like, yeah, you know, kind of not feeling well. Cause I'll be fine. But mm-hmm. no, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> was it as bad as the time you were in Disney and got sick? Uh, no, that was for a while. This was really for 24 hours. I was probably okay by the time you guys recorded the show, but I had to then catch back up on work. And... Yeah, at that point, it was Wednesday, and that's yeah. your that's your busy day. It's so. weird when you take a whole 24-hour cycle out of your life. Like, you're like, oh, I get a lot done during the day. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, you know, Justin filled in. We had, a, I think we had a really good show. We answered some listener emails. Uh, well, emails, it's, you know, Facebook group, you know conversations but uh so but he told me that you guys uh recorded something for the the gdp today patreon that's pretty exciting yeah how'd that go i was all right just a quick little blurb you know i was chat a little bit yeah but that's like your first like non two men in the mouse like podcast appearance so like that is true you're you're like out there now like you're you're in our patron facebook group like you're doing like yeah you're like out there uh so yeah it is uh it is hurricane season again and uh we are apparently getting one tomorrow, I guess. I mean, I just heard about okay. this. Yes, I literally just heard about this yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? Like, it's funny because like when I first moved here, like my like experience with hurricanes but prior to moving to Florida was like Hurricane Sandy and like Hurricane. What was it? Ian was the one before that. Like the one that like. Yeah, maybe. Something, I don't know. One of them, like, decimated my parents' house, and the other one, like, they both, like, destroyed the Jersey Shore. So when I moved here, I'm like, oh, no, like a hurricane. And, right. and everyone around me is like, what? Like, no, this is not a, this is not a problem. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> we're used to it. Yeah, no, like, we're, we are completely, like, not not concerned about this. And I was like, oh, okay. So now my hurricane prep is such. I get a bunch of, like, bad food like pop tarts and like i make sure i have chips and stuff like that and then usually i just like take a sleeping pill and like sleep through the whole thing (laughs) i will say the hurricane that i was in disney for this past fall which i believe at the last second was downgrade to a tropical storm yeah but it happened like it happened like during the night 
so I went to sleep fine and like woke up fine and like apparently like oh my gosh like you it was crazy but what what's funny is I think Hurricane Dorian I think was during the day but that ended up being nothing uh, but every other hurricane that I've kind of experienced here has mostly been during the night, which is why it's been so easy to just like there you sleep go. through it. You know, like you're supposed yeah. to like you're supposed to like fill your bathtub up with water. Really? Yeah, you're supposed what does to. That do? Uh, I guess because so like if like your water goes out or something like that, like you could like fill it in the top of the toilet so the toilet still flushes. Okay. I don't know. It's the thing my my mother's always like, make sure you fill up the toilet, the, the the bathtub, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, I'll, you know, I said I've the, met your mother. That is not her voice. No, it's not her voice. It's it's um, picture the the mom from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's got that thick accent. Um, okay, so um, by the way, real quick, wanted to give another shout out to all of our awesome patrons thank you guys so much for uh supporting the show over at patreon.com slash two men in the mouse um i mean we've got such a cool group of patrons we just got a bunch of new people that signed up recently um you know know, as our patron family grows i'm not going to be able to do these shout outs as much um you know because it'll be like half the show but uh, i just wanted to give a quick shout out to our awesome patrons uh, Michael Avila, Johnny Two Tubes, Darren Planser, Kay Pern, Justin Suter, Z Rassi, Chad Nolan, Benjamin Waldman, Tracy Gregory Becker, uh, Corey Goldstein, Katresha Chibbers, Rick and Corey Reagan, Samantha Wright, Amanda Welker, David Cleveland, uh, Mike, Lindsey Jones, and Nathan. Thank you guys so much for supporting us and supporting the show. Uh, you know, we really appreciate you guys. And uh, and for those of you that haven't gone over to patreon.com slash tuning in the mouse yet, we got a lot of cool, awesome new content. We're actually doing two patron shows uh, this week because, uh, you know, we missed last week's patron show. Uh, it didn't feel right to do a patron show without you. Like, I feel oh, like thank you. I feel like, you know, like they're people people are are paying for a patron show with you and I. They they need to get that patron show with you and I. So that is both, uh, you know, there's audio format for that. And we also have video format for that. We've also got things like Pete and I watching the uh, full house epic two parter. The house meets the mouse. Uh, full house goes to Walt Disney World episode. And that is up on Patreon as well in video format and audio format. Kind of like a little commentary track. And yeah. We got more. We're we're recording the Geek Watchtower later this week, also for yeah. Patreon. We're going to be exciting. talking the first three episodes of Ahsoka. Very excited. Yes, very very excited. Um, I'm going to be a little more critical than you, I think, because I know you are in love with this show. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll you know we'll talk about it. Uh, all that's going to be on Patreon. We're also going to be doing um. There's going to be some universal content, um, a whole bunch of stuff coming at you guys. So uh, patreon.com slash two men in the mouse. Thank you, guys. I'm not going to harp on that anymore. Uh, all right. Ready for the news this week? Please, let's do it. News brought to you by our friends over at Away With Me Travel that will plan your trip, not just to Walt Disney World, folks, but to any vacation property throughout the known world. I mean, Justin and his team have got that stuff on lockdown. What the extreme pros over there. They are they are. The creme de la creme. Gotta love them. All right. Worldwide news. Uh, We might be. So here's a bit of news that we might be getting some news in the near future. Okay. So according to, um, you know, uh, the the rumor going around is that Josh tomorrow may reveal upcoming plans for Walt Disney World at the destination D23 presentation that's coming up. 
Uh, so D23 recently provided a full schedule of panels for the event and the headliner presentation from Disney Parks jo- boss Josh DeMauro has a description that says um, join Disney Parks experiences and products chairman Josh DeMauro and special guests for an entertaining presentation looking to the future of Disney Parks featuring updates from around the world and some fun surprises along the way. Now, in early July, D23 described the presentation as join Disney Parks experience surprise Josh DeMaro as he hosts a fun and entertaining presentation about what makes a Disney experience so magical and memorable. So rather than just being like, here's why our parks are great. This sounds like it's going to be more like, here's what's coming to our parks in the near future. Right, right. So that is, uh, you know. There are several projects in the works right now for Walt Disney World. So, you know, you got to hope that we're we are going to hear some more stuff about stuff that we can be expecting to see sometime in the near future at Walt Disney World. Right. You really think they have a lot coming down the pike? I don't know. I mean, they just got done with like every park has had a massive like addition added to it within the last decade from New Fantasyland to yep. to Avatar to you know the new Epcot places that are coming to to Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land, I don't know how much more we're gonna get. But also given kind of the state of the world right now and the state uh, of the company, well, yeah, the state of Disney especially, they don't really have a lot of money to be dropping on these things. Um, right. I don't know. I think we might get you know maybe like some word like maybe we'll get like a look at Tiana's Bayou Adventure or like you know things that we already know are coming. But I mean, we'll right. we'll talk about it a little bit more because. There are some rumors flying around Animal Kingdom about some stuff. So, okay. I mean, look, we know that Animal Kingdom, that Dino Land area is on borrowed time. It has to be. Ray bums me out. I know. Uh, so, uh, speaking of things that bum me out, Disney is eliminating self service drink lids and paper straws from the parks. Okay. Like self service. So, hold on one second. Uh, according to www.magic.com, Walt Disney World will begin phasing out the availability of plastic lids and paper straws at its quick service restaurants and snack locations across the resort. Now this started on August 21st paper straws and plastic lids are only available on request and will not be placed in the guest areas for self-service. Uh, Disney is working to achieve zero waste to landfill for its parks, resorts and cruise line by 2030. They've already eliminated single use plastic straws and stirs at all uh, owned and operated locations globally, a reduction of more than 175 million straws and 13 million stirs per year. So that is some uh, interesting news. I mean, look, I I understand like the whole like the environment, like, you know, like I'm all about the environment. I also right. think that like. I don't really buy the whole like it's you and your plastic straws that are the problem. It's not these massive corporations dumping in the waters and doing all this stuff. It's it's you <laughs> and your drink lids. How dare you? You're you're killing the planet with your straws. Um, And I hate paper straws. I mean, typically when given the option of the paper straw, I will say, no, thank you. I will just drink it like a normal human being out of the cup. My wife hates paper straws. Like you have no idea. I mean, who likes paper? I, I, I have yet. Whatever, I'll use it. Like, I, I don't mind. Who's like, man? You know what? I really love. Like, I really love when, uh, you know, somebody takes like a straw and it just dissolves while I'm drinking my beverage. You know, it, it was a bummer. I went to a concert at MetLife uh, Stadium a couple weeks ago, and I got a big spray and. 
I'm like, okay, I'm not ready to leave my seat because it's so kind of crazy here. So I like parked in my seat and we had a great time, but paper straws. So like, I mean, it was just gross. Like an hour later, you know, like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. Uh, All right. So no resort news or water park news. We do have some Disney Springs news this week. Uh, The rustic cuff over in Disney Springs has permanently closed. So heard about that. uh, Yeah, this is a store which sells uh, statement cuffs and charm bracelets or sold, I guess, past tense uh, and was located across from Frontier Cocina in the former Kipling location. Uh, This originally opened up as a pop-up store in early 2020, replacing Irwin Pearl just across from Wine Bar George. The store was short-lived, however, closing along with the rest of Disney Springs due to COVID-19 in mid-March. It then moved to a kiosk in the landing landing near Paddlefish before moving to the Town Center location and finally to the former Kipling location. And now, to nothing. It's gone. Goodbye. Yeah. You can tell it's a slow news week because we're reporting on something like that. Yeah. Some random like third party. All right. No Magic Kingdom news this week, but we do have Epcot news. Most of the construction walls are currently down around Journey of Water, which means I mean, I it's, it's imminent. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. I mean, look, these the Epcot has been a wall world after all for a very long time. For now. a long time. So um, most of the construction walls are now down at Journey of Water, inspired by Moana and Epcot. And there's a bunch of pictures of what it looks like now. They've got the... um. Like the fake like construction walls now, which is like it's like a fake like plant in like a in like a wagon almost. And they like put okay. them together. Yeah. Rolling the rolling bushes have replaced the construction walls at the entrance and exit. Previews are currently underway for a small group of cast members with more wide scale cast member previews planned for September 1st through the 22nd. Club 33 members will get a preview on September the 9th. I'm just so glad those Club 33 members are getting stuff because, you know, they yeah, need, they, yeah, they, deserve, for them. they deserve everything, right? With all that money they're paying. Uh, Disney has not confirmed whether there will be other guest previews. Uh, it is expected there'll be a DVC or AP or both preview, but we don't know yet. We just don't know. Okay. Just don't know, Pete. Is this just going to cause a crazy log jam at the front of the park? Yeah. I mean, I hope I'm sure they thought this out like well in advance, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure it will in the beginning. I think event, I, I think in a year, a year and a half, people are just going to be like not even looking at this. Right. I mean, I really I was just I think they were just kind of like, look, we have no idea what to put here in the center of this area. <laughs> so right. well, here's the thing with water like it's yay. I mean, do you really think there's going to be that much to look at, though? Like, it's not like it's an attraction. No. Yeah, I don't get it. It seems like it's just like, uh, you know, the front of the park. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, though, if you want to do it, it it, it sounds like just go there at like four o'clock because who's going to be there? Probably. Yeah. The Vanellope Von Schwe or or enter Epcot through the um, International Gateway. International Gateway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people that do that, like specifically will will try to do that. Well, I mean, we we stay in that area so much or, you know, end up taking yeah. the Skyliner. So I, we always go in that way. And I got to be honest with you, it kind of bums me out. I really like walking in the front of the park. Now, have you heard about um, we talk, Justin and I talked about this last week, by the way, speaking of you staying over there. Did you hear about this uh, big um, what do you call it? Re uh, not like refurbishment, but like, yeah, refurbishment. It's a closing of the uh, the pool at, at Beach Club for like a year, like a long time. I wonder if that means that there's something wrong. 
or maybe they just want to like revamp it. I don't know. I mean, I, how do you revamp like a perfect pool? I know you, you can't like perfect perfection, right? Right. I don't you know. know what you know what they're gonna do. But you know what? I, I hate to say it, I wish I could say I use that pool all the time, but I we don't even really use it that much. I know. I know. Uh, so Vanellope uh, over in Epcot is leaving. Her meet yep. and greet location has been taken away completely over there in the Imagination Pavilion. It is now closed as work is underway to prepare for the new Figment character experience. There you go. So while it is sad to see Vanellope go, I'm really glad she's going because get out of here. I want Figment. Yeah, I can't wait to see what it looks like. I mean, now we're in agreement, though, that it's going to be like the si- the seven foot tall figment, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not we're not lucky enough to get like the dream finder with like the puppet. No. Well, why would it be dream finder? Nobody would know who it is. I know. You know? I know. But I, I have hope. I can always hope like people, you know, the only thing I could imagine is they do like the baby Groot style meet and greet. I would love that. I would love, I would it, love it, that. It, too. If it, like if it talked. Honestly, that would be the best case scenario i'm not holding my breath on that one don't worry like i'm not I'm like i'm not banking my experience on figment talking but I'm you know it, you. it would be cool if figment was able to talk um okay so in animal kingdom news this is what we we're talking i was just talking about before uh a couple of rumors going around that remember these utopia and moana blue sky concepts for animal kingdom yeah. um apparently they may be moving forward okay according to rumor rumor and innuendo at the September 2022 D23 Expo, Disney Parks Chairman Josh Tamara laid out some blue sky plans for reimagining Dinoland USA and Animal Kingdom. Alongside Imagineer Chris Betty, uh, Josh shared the com- that the company is looking at Zootopia and Moana attractions to be added to the park, including a log flume type ride. Today, uh, senior, me- or not today, but recently, senior members of Walt Disney Imagineering, including Chris Betty, were seen touring Animal Kingdom specifically the Dinoland USA area. And Dinoland USA is made up of the Thrill Ride Dinosaur and Triceratops Spin Kids Ride. The Primeval World Coaster is closed and has been removed and demolished, freeing up the land for new development. Dinosaur itself has frequently been associated with various reimagining projects that use the existing ride system, but with a new story and IP. Earlier this year, Disney CEO Bob Iger confirmed that a sequel to Zootopia is in the works, adding strength to the likelihood of the Blue Sky plans for Disney's Animal Kingdom being realized. Do you think there is a chance that this happens? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it fits right in line with what they're doing. I don't know if Moana really fits in line with it, but Zootopia, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking more Zootopia. That was one of the questions we got last week from some of our listeners. Like, oh, well, what would you like? Is there any like reimagining you do? And I was like, I would add Zootopia to Animal Kingdom because Zootopia gives us an opportunity to learn about animals like in a perspective that humans can understand. Right. Like what if they're police officers? Right. Like what? Yeah. Like what if they like had boring accounting jobs and one was a grifter? And <laughs> uh, listen, I, it does bum me out. And I know you're going to tell me that dinosaur, of course, is IP. Um, but just getting rid of these like originally themed areas. I know. For just more IP stuff. I, I really it, it kind of is a little bit of a bummer that maybe, you know, park specific, you know, characters and things are, are a thing of the past. Well, with the exception of Figment, I think like Figment's here. Well, no, I don't, I don't mean getting rid of but... like I, I just don't think you'll ever see a new one ever again. Probably not. No. Yeah, I think everything that, that from now on is IP. Bums me out. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, we have the first sellout night for Disney Jollywood Nights. The opening night okay. on November 11th, 2023 is now sold out, which I'm a little bummed about because I was like, I should probably have gone to opening night with Morty. Yeah. The YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, so this uh, ticket range, ticket prices range from 159 to 179 per person with a $10 discount available to annual pass holders and DVC members. Uh, the Disney Jollywood Nights 2023 dates are November 11th, which is now sold out. Then the 18th, 20th, 27th, 29th, and December 4th, 6th, 16th, 18th, and 20th. Um, so yeah, that's going to have a whole bunch of stuff. And the first night's now sold out, including Jingle Bell, right. Jingle Bam. I just like saying it. We have, okay. some out- we have some outside Walt Disney World news. I've been trying to do a little bit more of that lately. All right. Disney has revealed new details on the Fantasy Springs area coming to Tokyo Disney Resort in 2024. Have you seen this at all? I looked a little bit at it. It is the eighth themed port of Tokyo Disney Sea. and will feature three areas, Rapunzel's Forest, Peter Pan's Neverland, and Frozen Kingdom, all inspired by the animated films. Uh, Disney has revealed the names and more details for the upcoming attractions in Fantasy Springs, including Rapunzel's Lantern Festival, Anna and Elsa's Frozen Journey and Peter Pan's Neverland Adventure, plus Fairy Tinkerbell's Busy Buggies. Um, you can be able to experience Rapunzel's best day ever on Rapunzel's Lantern Festival attraction, or Rapunzel falls in love with Flynn Rider on a romantic boat ride to the annual Lantern Festival. The snuggly duckling restaurant reminiscent of the establishment by the same name for the film will also be there, including various atmospheric dining areas. Uh, we're getting those two Peter Pan attractions. Uh, Peter Pan's Neverland is going to let guests explore a pirate ship, dine in a secret hideaway, or encounter pirates. And then um, in Peter Pan's Neverland Adventure, you join the Lost Kids. I guess they're not the Lost Boys anymore. Oh, boy. Okay, that's what we're doing. Uh, they explore. <laughs> you know, the- if I may, like, diverge for one second here. Do <laughs> you know the reason why they're Lost Boys, according to the original book? Tell us. Because they said girls were too smart to ever like get lost and have to go to Neverland. Well, Kevin, this is uh, you know, you girls are dumb it. now. <laughs> girls can be just as dumb as boys. It's that was kind of the whole point of it. That's why Wendy being there is such like, oh, it's a girl, like you know, right, like, right. But I digress. I'm not gonna rewrite history. I'll leave that to the professionals. Uh, in Peter Pan's Neverland Adventure, join the Lost Kids as they explore Neverland with Peter Pan and Tinkerbell, as well as help rescue John from Captain Hook. I guess Michael did did get captured. So, right. Elsewhere, guests can help Tinkerbell deliver parcels and packages to the four seasonal areas of Pixie Hollow on the fairy, ta- on the fairy Tinkerbell's Busy Buggies attraction. Lookout Cookout is also made from objects and shipwreck parts and includes views of Neverland. Then you have um, Anna and Elsa's Frozen Journey, where you relive the tale of the two sisters and how they discovered that true love can thaw a frozen heart alongside fan favorite songs from the film. At Royal Banquet of Arendelle Restaurant, you will find both an indoor and a covered outdoor dining area with beautiful views of the fjord clips or cliffs, not clips, and mountains in the distance. For snacks, Oaken, the owner of the cabin and sauna featured in the film, has you covered at Oaken's OK Foods. There will also be a Fantasy Springs Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It'll be right next door where two dining options and a lobby lounge await. The Fantasy Springs Restaurant um, is a buffet-style dining where you'll find paintings inspired by Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Tangled, and Sleeping Beauty. Um, 
La Libuel offers special French. I hate French words. Like I can't say them. Like, <laughs> uh, with views of the scenery and fantasy springs from the dining hall for a more laid back atmosphere, head over to Grand Paradise Lounge, a lobby lounge with large open windows. And finally, Fantasy Springs Gifts Merchandise Store is the perfect place to buy gifts for friends and family. So there you go. Will that get you to Tokyo Disney ever? You know, it's pretty funny. One of my friends was there last week and I'm like, oh, cool. Grab me a map. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you this? Uh, you, no, but I, I understand the concept of like wanting a map. I was like, oh, grab me a map while you're there. He, so he comes back and he brought me some stuff and he's like, you know, the map was the hardest thing to get. I'm like, really? Was it really? He's, he's like, yeah, they don't have maps. He's like, but I was determined to get one at this point. And everyone's like, no, no, it's just on your phone. It's on your phone. He's like, you guys want oh, paper no. map? He's like, finally, some lady's like, I think we have them, and opened up a cabinet, and there was just this stack. They're not folded up like our maps would be. Uh -huh. It's just this stack of like flat papers. He's like, they must have had a thousand of them. He's like, right. but like they had to find them. It was so great. But they don't want you use. They don't. They they want you using your phone for everything now. Yeah. Well, I did get a map. So I hope that Disney World never does that because I love the like whenever there's a new map, like we get it. Yeah, love the map. My fiance likes to collect the the new maps. Like, yep. remember when you used to be able to make your own map before you uh, they yeah. mailed it to I you in have, a nice envelope? I still have a whole bunch of them. Oh, man, I mean, look, oh. I, I I prefer the fact that like the vacation planning DVD could just be like streamed now, but like the maps, right. come on, man! Like, did you ever like bring the map like on your trip, but then never use it? I never brought it. No. Oh, see, I used to bring it, and then I would never use it. I mean, by that part, I, I knew. Right, you knew yeah. where everything was. Uh, all right, well, that's the news this week. All right. Not, not a lot of news, but, you know, some no. news. Yeah. All right, well, folks, it is now time for our e-ticket attraction of the week, so stay tuned, folks. More Two Men in the Mouths coming at you. Hey, listeners, this is Mark Daniel, and you're listening to Two Men and the Mouse. Folks, some time ago, Pete and I started a little something called the Two Men in the Mouse Walt Disney World World Tour, which is a name that needs some workshopping. Uh, as a, We did this as a means of bringing the parks to you and giving you a little taste of the magic and history of Walt Disney World to pull from on your next trip. We went through all of the Magic Kingdom and also Future World, but now it's, or what used to be Future World now is right. World Discovery and uh, World whatever that i don't have it in front of me and i don't remember it yet uh, so we did all of that but now it's time to go global it's time to start making our way around world showcase so folks this week for our e-ticket attraction of the week pete and i are continuing the two men in the mouse walt disney world world tour as we continue in epcot and venture into world showcase now this was voted by our patrons as what they wanted to see us do next. They okay. gave them a bunch of options, and of course they chose the, the most labor-intensive thing on the list. <laughs> so thanks for that, guys. Uh, but uh, so the um, then I also polled our listeners in our our regular Facebook group, our Facebook.com/group/ Two Men in the Mouse, and I said, "Do you want us to start from Mexico?" to go around or do you want us to do it the proper way and start at Canada and go around 
and they chose to do things the improper way. So we. I would also. That is ludicrous. Why would you do that? I don't understand why anyone would do that. Clockwise. Yeah, but no, it doesn't work for me that way. Look, at the end of the day, when you approach that central area and you make and you make a right and you start heading toward Canada, what's the gift shop called? Port of Entry. Well, yeah, for Canada. Yeah. Port of Entry on the one side because you're entering World Showcase and it's Disney Traders on the other side because you are a trader if you do that. But there you trader, go. I like that. Trader with a D, but you, you get it. Right, right. All right, so we are gonna we are gonna start off right in the middle, like right by where the jumping fountain used to be. So like we've now we've now gone into Epcot, we've gone to both sides in the central area. So now we are going to start right from. Uh, so you've got two gift shops on either side. Typically, these are festival gift shops. They're like gift kiosks almost, but they're a little more than kiosks, you'd say, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I want to say it's like a full shop, but I mean, I guess it's just one room. It really, yeah, it really is. I mean, no, I mean, I'm talking like we're in the middle now, like right by where the big topiaries usually are. Yeah. Where the jumping fountains used to be. There's like these little like tents almost on either side. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that was also where you used to get the Agent P's World Showcase Adventure phone or like Impossible World Showcase Adventure phone before that. Uh, So, yeah, we are... As you continue down uh, during Festival of the Arts, this is also where they do like that street art, like with the chalk, which is always so cool. I always love that. I always think that's so neat. Uh, and then you continue in, and now you've got. Uh, so you know what? Before we get into World Showcase, let's talk a bit about the history of World Showcase. Okay. All right. World Showcase can conceptually trace its roots back to 1955. When oh. there was supposed to be an international street proposed as part of Disneyland. This was going to be a themed area that would be located behind Eastern Main Street. And it would have, there would have been a larger international land based around European locations that was also proposed in 1956 for the space between Fantasyland and Tomorrowland, which eventually there was going to be a boat ride called the, on what was called the Rivers of Europe. That was going to be the centerpiece of this land. However... Okay. This was dropped, and instead we got the Matterhorn bobsleds. And I think we can all agree maybe that was a better better option. I do love the Matterhorn. Not everyone does, but I do. So an internationally themed shopping and dining district was also proposed for Walt's original city concept for Epcot, the Progress City. Right. Uh, So now that was going to exist in the central hub of the city uh, surrounding the central hotel tower. When the city idea was dropped after Walt passed away, the International Shopping and Dining District was planned to be repurposed into Walt Disney World's Second Gate in 1972 and took on the name World Showcase. Now, plans and models showcased in 1974 for World Showcase placed it on the shores of the Seven Seas Lagoon adjacent to the Transportation and Ticket Center. That was where we originally wanted World Showcase to be. Interesting. Two semicircular structures similar to the Communicore buildings would house multiple international exhibitions in a neutral space. Uh, they would only be varying in size and structure toward the back, depending on how much space a country wanted to use. Interest in the World Showcase was highly favorable in attracting international sponsors. And in late 1975, Disney planned on moving forward with construction with plans to open that version of World Showcase in 1979. 
However, there was an energy crisis in 1976, and concerns of sinkhole troubles on the proposed site resulted in the plans for World Showcase and the Future World-themed center being merged into a single park that would then be placed further south on the property, and by 1977, Epcot began to take on its current shape. World Showcase was now going to be built around a lagoon, taking on its format of each pavilion showcasing its respective architecture. When the park opened in 1982, World Showcase featured nine pavilions. Morocco opened then in 1984, and Norway opened in 1988. All right. So, yeah. So we have not gotten a new pavilion in World Showcase since 1988. Sounds about right. And there's room. There's They left room. There's room for more. We got that well, weird I mean, Af- come on. We Think got about parks, Africa right? Section. I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> You had four, you know, from 71 to, uh, you know, 98, and then... That's very true. Nothing. Yeah, nothing yet. All right, so approaching the center, you've got Showcase Plaza. It's a huge area. This is where they put the Epcot Christmas tree every year. I always love seeing that. This was also where they do concert stages for the festivals. Uh, so not, like, the big concerts, but they'll do, like, like smaller concerts or when they had, like, the Chew there. They, right. They did it from, from that area yep. right there. This was also your Fast Pass fireworks viewing location for Illuminations back in the day when they did Fast Pass for fireworks. Remember oh, okay. That? Yep. Now, going off to the left for whatever reason, on your left-hand side, you will have a little gazebo, which is a character meet-and-greet location. Now, this has had multiple different characters throughout the years. Uh, now, we know it as the place where you used to be able to meet Duffy the Disney Bear. That's that, correct. That was the greatest. Uh, but now, since then, it has kind of uh, varied between Minnie, Daisy, and Pluto here and there. Ugh. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I could meet How, Minnie. I don't get it. It became really a cool thing that Duffy became this, like, Epcot character. I know. I agree. Yeah, and he's I, international. And... Mm-hmm. I wonder what they're going to do with that area now that uh like mickey and friends are going to have their own area in like the festival center area right by the way i don't know if you saw this but um the return of the popular animated show uh, mickey mouse clubhouse is happening okay and and it's gonna star of course mickey and his friends but also duffy duffy is gonna be on mickey mouse clubhouse so you got to wonder if maybe now... Maybe he's coming bring, home. Yep. Does Duffy come back out? Well, I think it's a matter of whether or not Duffy is uh, popular on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> You're right. Let's see what happens. He might end up being like Summer the Penguin on the Muppet Babies. <laughs> That's Skeeter's spot. How dare you? Stupid penguin. Uh, all right. So... Then you have the Disney Traders gift shop right there, opened in 1987. That's directly yep. across from there. So now Disney Traders, do you ever pop into the Disney Traders or Port of Entry? Yeah, of course. Uh, all the time. You know, Disney Traders, though, has kind of become more of a Marvel shop now. Yeah, I mean, it fluctuates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but lately it's been a lot of Marvel stuff. Like, it's been Wakanda generic Forever Marvel. stuff. Yeah, like, generically right. Marvel stuff. Like, stuff from the mo- whatever the big Marvel movie of the moment is. Right. Not a lot of secret invasion merchandise, though. Like I was really no, hoping I could no. get a. Uh, I was really hoping I I could get an Amelia Clark with like a tiny little uh, <laughs> with a tiny little Drax arm to like flex with. Right, right. The new most popular character, the new most powerful character in the Marvel universe that they can't ever bring back. 
Yeah, for real. How? How does that character... <laughs> I digress. How does that character exist, though? Like, like there should have been, like, a throwaway line about how the powers start to fade. Uh, I thought the same exact thing. Like, make it temporary. How do you have her... Like, I'm also really glad that in the Ebony Maw's DNA, apparently his rings are included. Right, right. <laughs> because that's the model we have in the CGI database. That's so, so that's funny. What the tiny little Drax arm. How did that make it past? Like, somebody was like, yeah, that looks good enough to go on TV. Terrible. It was the worst. Uh, we'll get into it on the Geek Watch Tower, I think. All right, so we've also so that Disney Traders opened in 1987, and you also have a Joffrey's coffee stand right there. That's a permanent fixture. Now, during the festivals, obviously, you have multiple different kiosks set up right around this area. So, uh, you know, for food and wine right now, you got the Mexico one. You've got, I mean, Australia used to be over in this area. I'm not, I haven't been over to food and wine yet since it opened this year. Okay. I know that's super weird because it's been open for like over a month, but I have not gotten to it yet. Like it never goes away. Yeah. All right. So, but on your left, before we get into Mexico, we have the Odyssey Center. Yes. Now, the Odyssey opened with the park as the Odyssey Restaurant. It was a restaurant initially. It also hosted a center for first aid, lost children, and baby services. The restaurant featured a stage for live entertainment with Mickey's Rockin' Celebration running from the late 80s until the restaurant closed in July of 1994. After the restaurant closed, it became a flexible space available for events with occasional seasonal use, referred to then by the Odyssey Center. This is by the Disney event rental website. They were the first ones to call it the Odyssey Center. Now, starting in 2016, it started being regularly used uh, for Epcot's festivals, opening during Food and Wine Festival and the holidays. It was officially rebranded as the Odyssey Festival Center for the 2017 <clears throat> debut of the Festival of the Arts, where it served as an art gallery under the name of Epcot Legacy Showplace and a special exhibit for Epcot's 35th anniversary celebration. In 2019, the Odyssey Center was revealed to house the Epcot Experience Center, a preview space for the park's massive expansion project. The Experience Center it was essentially an expanded version of the D23 Expo 2019's Epcot displays with a park model surrounded by a screen showcasing new attractions coming to the park uh, with projection mapping. It transformed the surfaces of the model for each presentation. Now, did you ever go in and like do the, do that little thing? I didn't. I did it a lot, actually, because it was like a nice like little break from the heat. Okay. Well, I mean, I also try not to go into crazy hot. So, well, it's so it was funny because eventually it became like during COVID, it became very clear that like most of these things weren't happening anymore. Right. I remember that. So they would like disappear one at a time from the like the Mary Poppins <laughs> thing or like the, though I will say like up until like that closed down, they were still hyping the play pavilion, which yeah. I've got to think is just not happening anymore. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, okay, so, you know, currently it's still being used for, you know, festival situations and things like that. So, you know, uh, the, right now for food and wine, they've got a Bunsen honeydew and beaker uh, situation going on there for their wing, for the right. wing. So right. I gotta go check that out. All right, you ready to make it into our first pavilion? Sure. 
apparently the first pavilion we're starting with for whatever reason is the mexico pavilion oh I, I, well it's one of my favorites so i little, like it I, I know it's great as a it's a great finale to world showcase i've always felt <laughs> it's a great way to end your world showcase experience starting there like whenever i'm with someone that's like hey let's like start at mexico i'm like really like it feels weird don't you think that maybe like listeners know this will give you drive to like get through the whole world showcase so that you can get to canada maybe maybe i will say we have done a full episode a disney disney in depth on the mexico pavilion so um you know if you guys want even more details than what we're going to offer you here check out that episode right so you got two major areas represented in the mexico pavilion you have a portrayal of the arid desert regions of mexico at cantina de san angel uh, while the Mexican tropics are represented as a Mayan temple rising out of the Yucatan jungle. That Mayan pyramid is also reflective of pre-Columbian heritage in Mexico. Now, the first thing we're going to do right off to your left-hand side as we walk into Mexico uh, is Choza de Margarita. You ever see that little, like, area, yep. that little kiosk there? Now, let me tell you something. I've never stopped here, <clears throat> but I've always wanted to. Because they have like I have Mex- stopped there. Okay, what'd you get? Not for myself. I got nothing. But okay. um with friends who insisted on margarita. margarita. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I don't dislike I don't dislike margaritas. I'm also not usually getting them there. Uh for me, I want to go there because they have some good food there. Like they have right. Mexican street corn there. And I'm always like, yeah. I kinda want that corn and I just never get it. Now, this opened in 2017, replacing the Margarita Stand after the Norway expansion kind of ate up a little bit of the Mexico Pavilion. Uh, So you can get tacos, empanadas, and fresh guacamole in addition to the frozen margaritas and handcrafted margaritas. There's also Mexican beer and a non-alcoholic refresher served there as well. However, one thing to note about this place, there's always going to be a line. Yep. We always have a line at this location. Now, before we head over, we're going to go across the road over here to Cantina de San Angel. That is a quick service restaurant at Epcot's Mexico Pavilion, opened in 2010 along with La Hacienda de San Angel in a ceremony that marked the bicentennial of Mexican independence. This restaurant was uh, replaced the previous Cantina de San Angel, which was built before 2009. La Cantina de San Angel serves tacos, empanadas, and nachos. Offers counter service for lunch and table service. Uh, it offers counter service for lunch, and the restaurant has indoor and outdoor seating. It is popular for both lunch and dinner. <laughs> now, uh, how often do you get something from Cantina de San Angel? Um, I've been there. I think maybe about three times. Yeah, I'm surprised I liked by that. It. I'm surprised by that because you are a guy who likes his guac. I am. I'm also someone who has a family that does not like Mexican food. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, you eat at a Mexican restaurant every week. That is true, but it's actually a Tex-Mex restaurant. I which guess. Is, you've been to Tejas. It's not very Mexican. I've been there like once or twice. Yeah. What? I've only What's gone that? to Tejas once or twice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Why come back to New Jersey if you're not going to Jose Tejas? Well, I don't have anyone to, like, I don't know. Nobody ever is like, let's go to Tejas. No. So. Okay. So. I have gotten there. I've gone there before. I think I, I like their guacamole, but their chip to guac ratio is not great. I will say. I agree. You know, I just need more guac. It's too much chip, not enough guac. The only time that it was proper, <clears throat> right before fireworks, I ordered chips and guac. 
and I guess they were like closing for the night. And so I got more guacamole than I've ever had in my life. That's awesome. It was fantastic. What I will experience. say they did they did something cool too. I remember getting like a, a quick serve meal on the meal plan there one time and okay. you got you got a one of their little fruit bars, like the popsicle style ones. That's cool. With your meal. But I'm like, man, like it's just gonna melt. And they're like, No, 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 you pick it up after. I'm like, Oh, thank you. That makes sense. So we actually ate our food. Kids, you know, the kids were younger at the time, so they got to take their time, and then we just went up and got the fruit bars after. Very nice. Makes sense. All right, so right next to this is La Hacienda de San Angel. Right. This restaurant's design is inspired by the original San Angel Inn in Mexico City. The Hacienda was built in 1692 in Mexico, obviously, not in Walt Disney World. It was a retreat for the Spanish aristocracy. The property was used for farming until it was purchased and expanded by a gentleman named Ramon, whose last name I can't, I'm not even going to be able to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> it's 17, Ramon, thanks you, Kevin. Yes, in 1777. The house still stands and is now the site of the San Angel Inn. The Mexican family who restored the hacienda wanted to open it to guests to serve the food. The artwork and pottery throughout the hacienda are meant to be created by the house's artistic owner <laughs> the walt disney world restaurant opened in september 15th of 2010 again at the bicentennial of mexican independence so have you ever eaten at la hacienda de san angel no that i have not uh, i've never eaten there either and i've never it's never even been like a thought like i've never even been like oh, i gotta go there like I, same here unfortunately i mean i would like to it just mm-hmm. hasn't been something i've done all right, you ready to head into this pyramid? Yeah. My this, Mayan, this Mayan pyramid, this Aztec temple, uh, which, by the way, don't climb the front of it. There are signs yes. that tell you not now to. Now there are signs. Somebody did it. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it's modeled after an Aztec temple of, <clears throat> I apologize, Quetzalcoatl. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's apparently it's the god of life. Okay. This is represented outside on a large mural of a serpent uh, with heads along the entrance stairs. So that's a little, that's why that, that's what that is. And that's why it's there is it's representative of this God that the temple was for initially. Now, right as you walk in, you go right into the Mexican folk art gallery. This is one of a number of galleries that have rotating exhibits uh, featured in the World Showcase Pavilion, but it has been since fall of 2017, remember me, La Celebración del Día de los Muertos, which is for Coco. Correct. Which, I mean, I like it. It's a, it's fun. It's, I mean, say what you, it's not all IP. Like, they're using the IP to talk about the actual, like, thing. Yeah, I, I enjoy it also. Yeah. So this opened in fall of 2017, just prior to the film. Uh, Dia, Dia de los Muertos, better known as the Day of the Dead in the U.S., is a two-day celebration that honors the deceased. And that is obviously portrayed in Coco, a movie that I will never watch again. Why? I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was fantastic. I sobbed. Oh, like, okay. I, like, cried so hard at that movie. Like, it was, like, I've never cried like that at a movie before. It just... Like, it hit me right in some, like, part of my heart that was just, like, you know, still grieving for the loss of people that I've lost. And I'm like, I will never watch this again. Same with uh, Up. I'll never watch Up again. 
Um, I get it. I typically skip the beginning of up. Yeah. So among the featured artwork in this area is a dramatic sculpture group with the centerpiece of the gallery being the bridal couple. These sculptures were created by a father and son in Mexico City whose family has been hand-making this type of celebratory art for more than 300 years. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I feel like I'm going to look at that differently now every time I walk in. As we walk in, on our right-hand side, so let's say we're walking in, we're getting into the the the, the plaza area. We're going to walk down the right-hand side of that ramp, and we're going to see, right on the right-hand side, a place that used to be wonderful and has since been ruined by social media, La Cava del Tequila. <laughs> now, I love La Cava del Tequila. I have fond memories of it. Unfortunately, memories are likely all it will ever be, as it is a hole-in-the-wall tiny little restaurant or not restaurant lounge that is just inaccessible now because it's so popular yeah but i mean how could that not be you know it was going to happen no matter what no i mean people didn't know it was there man people didn't I know, know but eventually it was there. eventually people would figure it out exponentially i know but so this hacienda themed lounge offers more than 200 types of tequilas ranging from simple to rare the lounge also serves mezcal cocktails beer and snacks La Cava Tequila opened in 2009 and has an average customer rating of 4.4 out of 5 on Google. Okay. All right. Uh, it also is the only place in all of Walt Disney World that Peter Mandel and I have ever stood in the same spot at. That, that might be true. That's the only, remember we met up at La Cava Tequila? Yeah. You, you, were yeah. With, you were your brother, I think. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think that was that trip, yeah. Yeah, you were very sunburned. That's what I remember. Was I? I your face was like super red. Oh, I mean, I was probably just walking, Yeah, you know. All right, so shopping in the pyramid. You have fine crystal arts from the Arribas Brothers at La Princesa de Cristal. You also have the La Tienda Encantada, which sells jewelry and accessories in a small little shop there. El Ranchito del Norte is a changing collection highlighting the various stores in the plaza, and the Plaza de los Amigos which are the carts that sell clothing, blankets, crafts, toys, leather wallets, handbags, candy, tequila, and more. They also sell the big sombreros there. Yep. Does anyone ever buy the big sombrero? I've seen people walking around with the sombreros. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. It's a little weird to me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, for, for me, like, seeing that and, like, the, the Raiden, like, rice hat in, in the China Pavilion. I like, did get one of those, though. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, it's a little weird to be wearing. I don't know. <laughs> I got it for my daughter. She loved it. And I just love it because it's totally Raiden. So yeah, because it's Raiden. Like, oh, dude, I've been playing Mortal Kombat lately because Mortal, Com Mortal Kombat 1 is about to come out. Okay. So, like, so I, you can't play Mortal Kombat 9 on anything right now currently. And Mortal Kombat 9 was like the reboot. Like, that was... Right. Like, we started at the end of Mortal Kombat Armageddon, and we went back in time, and we replay... It replays the events of Mortal Kombat's 1, 2, and 3. But, okay. like, with, like, a different ending to, for 3. Where you fight Shao Kahn as Raiden at the end instead of as Liu Kang. Because Raiden ends up killing Liu Kang by accident. Okay. And then Mortal Kombat 10 <clears throat> was great. It, re it it starts to retell Mortal Kombat 4, but then jumps into the future. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's good. And then Mortal Kombat 11 was actually... I realized I had never played it before. I love that you, like, know the stories of all these. I love the Mortal Kombat story. Are you kidding me? That's why I hated the Mortal Kombat movie that came out on HBO Max. 
Yeah, I watched that. I was like, man, this stinks. And everybody was like, well, it was awesome. I'm like, no, it doesn't have the story of Mortal They didn't even have a Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I know. There was no Mortal Kombat. My favorite thing about that was that the new character, I don't remember his name. The his one guy, the guy that should have just been Scorpion? Like His special power was getting beat up. Yeah. I'm like, he, oh. But then he kills Goro, so Goro's never getting to the Mortal Kombat. So dumb. Uh, but yeah, no, um, in... In the in Mortal Kombat 11, they have uh, like Liu Kang basically becomes the god of thunder and fire at the end. Okay, because him and Raiden like merge, and he he resets the timeline, and like creates creates like a new reality where he's the the Raiden like character, okay. and that's what Mortal Kombat one is going to be. That's why it's called Mortal Kombat one because it's a whole new timeline. Right. Raiden is immortal now. Like Raiden is like the Liu Kang type character in this one. Cool. He's he's mortal. Him and Kung Lao and like Sub Zero and Scorpion like work together, which is kind of weird. I don't know. It's it, I, I can't wait to see what they're gonna do with it. Did Raiden buy his hat at the China Pavilion? Probably. Yeah, I think he got it right. He was considering one of those like um those 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 puppets that you can make walk. Yep. The marionettes. Yeah. It was he wanted the flamingo, but he he ended up going for the hat instead. No, I don't blame him. It's either that yeah. or parasol, right? Gotta keep the sun out of your face somehow. Right. Okay, so um, also here we've got the San Angel Inn. Now I know you've eaten here, definitely many times. Yeah, I've eaten there as well. I only ate there once. I thought it was okay. It is. It, it fluctuates. I mean, the menu always changes. Yeah. Uh, so you know, a lot of this is also like originally. The uh, the original San Angel Inn in Mexico was intended to be a monastery. It was a hacienda, again, built in 1692. The hacienda served as the retreat for the Mexican aristocracy, exactly as we said before. Um, it became a... The hacienda actually became a pulque, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's an alcoholic cactus beverage factory. Uh, before being purchased by the San Angel Land Company in 1906, the Hacienda was then converted into a hotel and restaurant and named the San Angel Inn. Okay. Now we've got one attraction in here. One attraction that is beloved, I think, maybe. Yep. The Grand Fiesta Tour starting the Three Caballeros. But before we get into that, Pete, we need to talk a little bit about what came before. We like to do this with attractions, you know? Originally, this was El Rio de Tiempo which opened on October the 1st, 1982 with the park. Uh, it was uh, El Rio del de Tiempo means the river of time. And it closed on January 2nd, 2007 and reopened as the Grand Fiesta Tour starting the Three Caballeros on April 6th of that year. That's a quick turnover. But when yeah. you think when you think about it, they didn't really like most of its screens. Yep. So they, they didn't really have to like do that much to turn that over. Right. Right. Especially because originally the the caballeros at the end were projections also. Right. Described as a short but pleasant boat ride and was sometimes called the Mexican It's a Small World because of its upbeat, repetitive theme song and small audio animatronic dolls, which are still in the attraction today in that Viva Donald area. Yeah. Uh, the dances seen on the film in the pre-Columbian section of the El Rio de Tiempo boat ride illustrated a time when Mexican... Uh, when when Mexican Indians prevailed in areas of the sciences and arts, the dances represented in nature and science, mathematics and astronomy, um, a whole bunch of different stuff. This closed though January 2nd, 2007 before reopening on April 6th, 2007 
as uh, the Grand Fiesta Tour featuring the three Caballeros. The general boat ride track obviously remained exactly the same, a lot of the same elements, but the storyline featured Donald Duck, Jose Caracoa, and Panchito from the 1944 Disney film, The Three Caballeros, which debuted in Saludos Amigos. Uh, Panchito is the leader of the trio. You know, he's the only Mexican member of the uh, of the group. Wow, nice. Yes. Jose Caracoa is Brazilian. And, uh, you know, Donald Duck, obviously, is American. Right. Um, you know, he served in World War II. Sure did. <laughs> the attraction's flume system and boats were manufactured by Aerodynamics, who also worked on other water-based dark rides for Disney, such as It's a Small World and Pirates of the Caribbean. Eric Goldberg, who animated the genie in Aladdin, also directed the animation for the ride. And on December 4th, 2015, animatronics of the three caballeros originally used in the Mickey Mouse review were placed in the finale to the attraction, replacing the projections. What a what a great upgrade that was. Yeah. I, yeah, this is I one love of those, that like, they did that. This is one of those ride makeovers that you're like, hmm, okay. Yeah, I get cool. it. Yeah. Yep. 100%. 100% down with, with, with the changes yep. here. All right. So now as we exit the temple, uh, we are going to make a left as we come down the stairs. And right to our immediate left is a Donald Duck meet and greet location. Love this Donald meet and greet. Yeah, I do too. Do you guys ever stop at it? Yep. Every time? Uh, not every time. Depends is on Grand, wait time. Is, is Grand Fiesta Tour an every time thing for you? Absolutely. All right, good. Matter of fact, we didn't do it one time because recently, because the line was outside of the pyramid. Yeah, I was, I was like, how? I don't know what causes that every once in a blue moon. It's like, it's like a 70 minute wait. And I'm like, nope, can't do that. But Nope, not worth that. I mean, it's yeah. not like it's like got a fast pass or Genie Plus or anything. So, yeah, no, that is not worth it at all. Uh, I would typically like to do, I used to go to Epcot to do like cardio back when I lived closer. So yeah, right. you do like two two laps around, starting the, pr- the the proper way in Canada, and going around, and then like my reward at the end of it was to just like cool off in the in the the pyramid by riding Grand Fiesta Tour. There you go. Yep. So you got the Donald Duck meet and greet, and then across from that, you've got a little like shop kind of area uh, where Mariachi Cobre also plays. Now, I don't know if you knew this, Mariachi Cobre is recently celebrating 40 years of performing in Epcot. Wow. Yeah, they've been there since the beginning, I guess. That was on the Mariachi Cobre um, website. So the the band has apparently been together for 50 years, and then, you know, they've been in Epcot for 40. Uh, They they used to have, like, a a Coco puppet that they they used in the thing, and now they don't anymore. Hmm. I remember... The last time I stopped and listened to Mariachi Cobre was uh, Chris- around Christmas time. Because they did like a bunch of Christmas songs. I yeah, I always like seeing them. Yeah. All right. You ready to move on to the Norway Pavilion? Oh, yeah. Oh, love the Norway Pavilion. Now, you know what? Underappreciated Pavilion, I think, Norway. Huh, really? I mean, I think people are only stopping there for Frozen. For the That's ride, true. That, that bakery is always packed. I mean, that, that love that bakery. Pretty... I don't know, it's just not a pavilion. You ever you hear people talking a lot about like Japan or you know France or you don't you don't hear people talking about Norway a lot. Wow. Okay. Especially now, Norway is the pavilion that got the most IP injected into it. Absolutely. 
because you've got like a whole half of that area that's just like a frozen kind of experience. Right. right. But here, a little history. The Norway Pavilion is the most recent nation added to World Showcase, as we said before, on May 6th, 1988. But the grand opening did not occur until a month later when Harold V of Norway, then the Crown Prince, dedicated the pavilion in a ceremony broadcasted live in Norway. Uh, the original idea was to create a Nordic pavilion that would combine elements from various countries into one exhibit. Three countries were consulted, but it finally ended up with investors from Norway raising $30 million, which was required to create an exclusive national pavilion. So that's how Norway got to be the only uh, nation in the Nordic region that was there you uh, go. represented here. Disney contributed the other one-third of the construction cost, and in 1992, the investors sold their stake to Disney. Since nearly as many people visit Epcot as live in Norway, the governor felt it was still a good promotional tool for their tourism industry. The federal government continued to contribute $200,000 annually for five years to help fund the exhibit. This was renewed in 1997 for another five years, but the government stopped payments in 2002 against the recommendations of their American embassy. So Disney now completely runs the Norman Pavilion, which is why right. IP got injected into it, I think. There you go. In September of 2014, Disney officials also announced that they would be closing the popular, well, popular-ish uh, mm. Maelstrom attraction. Uh, and renovated into the company's uh, new hit computer animated film, Frozen for Frozen Ever After, which opened in 2016. Um, I loved Maelstrom. I did, too. I really enjoyed Maelstrom. We're going to talk about Maelstrom in a little bit. All right. The the addition, obviously, of Frozen After After was intended to bring more attention to Epcot, as well as the Scandinavian culture represented throughout the Norway Pavilion. But the first place that we're going to go as we walk into the Norway Pavilion is the Royal Summer House, which okay. is right off to the side there. That is an Anna and Elsa meet and greet. And then it exits into the Wandering Reindeer gift shop, which doesn't really have a lot of stuff in it anymore. Okay. Since COVID, I mean, the last time I walked in there, I'm like, oh, okay. It's just like a bunch of frozen dolls and whatever. Yeah, that's what you expect. Yeah, there's also, so over here is also where you've got the, the restroom. Probably the most frequent restroom that I that I use in really World Showcase. Yeah, for some reason, it's just always like. Because of its time, location? Yeah, kind of times out that way, I guess. Uh, but, and then you've also got the outdoor seating area right there for the bakery, which we'll talk about in a moment. Right. As we uh, circle around to come into the original area of the Norway Pavilion, there is a small uh, drink and ice cream kiosk right there where you can get, I used to be able to get like a polar shot. It was like this like really interesting like shot of alcohol. I don't think they have it there anymore, but they do have like a bunch of like different Nor uh, Norwegian beers and stuff like that. Okay. So if you're drinking around the world in Norway and you need like the, your quick stop, like that's where you go. That little because it's it's one of the only like places to to grab a drink other than like a right. restaurant. <clears throat> okay, so the first thing that we see as we walk in on our left hand side is the Stave Church. Now I love the Stave Church because I love what it has inside. So, but right now it is the Gods of the Vikings exhibit, which is okay. a exhibit on Norse mythology that focuses on Odin, Thor, Loki, and Freya. And it's a really cool exhibit. If you've never seen it, it's very small, but it deals with the nine realms. It um, it tells the story of Thor and Jormungandr, the world serpent, and how they met and how they're destined to fight at Ragnarok, 
Um, and, you know, it tells the story of Loki and uh, the mistletoe, which was used to kill the god Balder. Uh, it tells the story of Freya. It tells the story of Odin. Really, really cool stuff in there. And I really love in the center, they've got like that like tree that they have carved into it is like the statues of Thor, Odin, Freya, and Loki. Right. You ever go up to it and like grab onto Mjolnir and try to see if you could like take it? Uh, I. It's just like Love and Thunder in there. Yeah, you're pretty much no difference. Right. You know, I, I heard actually Taika Waititi designed. Uh, could you, you imagine? Can, you can see his influence. <laughs> yes. The second you walk in, someone hits you in the face with a pie and then farts on you. <laughs> oh, man. Did you hear there's like a, a rumor that he's like doing a oh, fifth yeah. floor? Yeah. I, I don't believe it. Uh, I, I don't either. I, I don't I think don't where I it's don't coming from. I don't think Taika would do it. Taika just did an interview where he talked about how miserable he was working with Marvel. Uh, and I'm, I'm hope it doesn't happen. And I don't think Hemsworth would do it because Hemsworth did an interview after Love and Thunder where he was like, "Hey, this stunk. This stunk. Like, I don't yeah. want to do this anymore." So the uh, the building itself of the Stave Church is a detailed replica of the original Gaul Stave Church that dates back to around the year 1200. It is a four fifths scale replica. Uh, with the only exception being they removed the crosses from its roof. The original church was moved from Gaul in 1884 and now lives at the Norwegian Museum of Cultural History in Oslo, Norway. <clears throat> this is a recreation of that specific church. The particular This particular display has been in the Gods of the Vikings has been in the gallery since 2018. Most countries in World Showcase have these exhibits for a couple of years, and eventually they get changed out with something new. Before this, I believe it was like, like it was like a Frozen exhibit, I think. Okay. Where it was like, hey, here's like things from Frozen that you could actually see in Norway, and how it like you know. But the Gods of the Vikings, I think, is a much better like. Yeah. Like, I hope that's permanent. Like keep that there forever. It's it's good. Right. It also has like a voiceover in there that kind of tells the story. Sometimes yep. it's neat. All right, so coming up next, the Kringla Bakery Ugg Cafe. Now, this is my favorite place in Norway. I know you love it. I love this place. So this is a bakery uh, where you can get a whole bunch of different snacks. It changes throughout the years, but there are a couple of mainstays. Most notably, the school bread or shul bread. I've been told it's pronounced shul bread, but it's written school bread on the official menu. So Okay. Unless that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. But the school bed, school bed, the school bread is a <laughs> uh, sweet roll filled with custard and dipped in coconut. There's also the Norwegian Kringla, which is a pretzel-shaped pastry with assorted toppings. It could be almonds or chocolate. There's a rice cream, which is creamy rice pudding topped with strawberry sauce. The lefse, which is soft flat bread rolled with cinnamon, sugar, and butter. Have you ever had the lefse? No. So my friend Cheryl got it one time and i was like is that good and she's going oh, so good i get it every time you got to get it recently i went and i was like you know what for my friend cheryl i am gonna order the lefsa let me tell you something peter mandel this thing stunk it was awful oh. i hated it i was sitting there cursing her name because i'm like i could have gotten school bread you know it's funny i don't really love the school bread i like the school bread a lot it's a little messy it's you know not the easiest thing to eat like you know but, but I, I like it. Uh, so you also can get a triple chocolate chip cookie, a Verdun's Bestie cake, which is vanilla cake with um, custard and almond meringue topping, 
an Epla cake, which is apple cake with caramel drizzle, or a Mickey cinnamon roll. There's also assorted fountain, also assorted fountain fountain beverages here, which means you can also get, uh, you know, free uh, cup of ice water if you need to rehydrate yourself. Freshly brewed Joffrey's coffee also available, and the Kristoff Cafe, which is frozen coffee with uh, coffee chocolate sauce and garnished with coffee chocolate crunch. I have not had that, but that sounds good. There's alcoholic beverages, a frozen Viking coffee, which has Bailey's Irish cream liquor and uh, Kimura coffee liquor with coffee chocolate sauce garnished with coffee chocolate crunch, a Viking coffee, <clears throat> which is the same thing but not frozen, and a Nordic draft beer. So these are places you can go to, uh, you know, get your stuff. I there love go. to go in there. I get a school bread and I get a coffee. And especially this is one of my winter things. Like when it's winter, when it's January, February, it's a little cold in the park. This is like like my nose is red and, you know, I'm in the middle of Norway. I'm like, I'm going to go get that. All right. Sounds like a so, good time. They used to have a thing that I loved called the troll horn. And it was just oh, like, yeah. yep, it was like a hollow pastry horn filled with like cream. And it was so good. And they don't have I had anymore. I had that. That was yeah. good. They don't have it anymore. And I'm really upset about it. My heart's kind of broken. Uh, so then as we exit there and continue toward the back, we have the Puffins Roost gift shop and the Fjording. The gift shop. The, the big thing about this is it's got that big troll statue. Yep. Right in there that you take a picture with. Uh, with the big long nose and, you know. So stuff you could buy in here. A lot of, like, Norwegian candy. Uh, you could buy a big, heavy Norwegian, like, jacket, apparently. I've never seen anyone buy anything, like, in there. It's like the apparel. Because it's not like there is some like Epcot Norway apparel in there, but like it's mostly like like Norwegian fashion companies stuff. Right, right. And of but course, you can buy tr- you can buy trolls. You can buy trolls. Uh, not treasure trolls like in the nineties, but no. I wish I had treasure trolls when I was a kid. Oh, I'm sure you did. It was the it was the thing in like first grade. Everybody had them. Um, but then you had to have the one that had the jewel in the stomach. If you had the one that didn't have the jewel in the stomach, you were a loser. Oh. Yeah. I made that mistake and was a Sorry, loser. Sorry, Kev. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope to my mother. I'm like, what have you done to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, uh, yeah. So uh, that store is pretty cool. You exit out of Frozen Ever After there. But now let's talk about Frozen Ever After. Before we can talk about Frozen Ever After, we got to first talk about Maelstrom. It is a reversing shoot-the-shoot dark ride attraction uh, that opened originally on July the 5th, 1988. So about two months after the pavilion opened, Maelstrom opened. Okay. Um, And it was a mix between a log shoot and a traditional film attraction. Visitors rode boats patterned after long ships that passed through various scenes that featured audio-animatronic figures. The attraction was originally supposed to be called Sea Venture. With the entrance sign during construction even displaying that name, but sometime between March 1988 and the ride's opening, it was changed to Maelstrom. Now, after after the boat ride, you were then invited into the theater to watch a video about Norway, and sometimes trapped there. I so I remember I walked in there and they were like, "And now it is time for a video about Norway," and I was like, "I'm leaving," and like I just left. So I can I remember felt... getting off of that ride and being trapped. Like you're like sitting outside those doors because you uh-huh. gotta wait for it to open. Yeah. And it, like if you like were getting off the boat as those doors were closing, you had to sit outside for the length of the movie. Yes, you did. I do remember that. Oh man. 
So on September 12th, 2014, it was announced that the ride would be being replaced by an attraction based on Disney's Frozen. Maelstrom's final day of operations was October the 5th, 2014. Frozen Ever After then opened to the public on June 21st um, of 2016, I believe. Uh, yeah. On, in June of 2015, then Disney Chief Operating Officer Tom Staggs revealed that plans for a Frozen attraction were discussed prior to the film's release, but were accelerated after the huge success that Frozen saw. We remember how popular Frozen was. I mean, like, that was yeah. insane. Um, responding to whether a converting a portion of the Norway Pavilion into an attraction based on a fictional place was appropriate for World Showcase, Stag stated, if the goal is to give people a taste of something like Scandinavia with the Norway Pavilion, then Frozen would be would only increase the extent to which people would be drawn to it. To me, it doesn't seem out of character at all. So what do you think about that? I mean, I, I got it. I understood it. I get it also. Disney also released the first details on the new attraction and revealed its final name, Frozen Ever After. The attraction uses the same ride vehicles and course used for Maelstrom. Main difference also being, originally Maelstrom passed by like that area where you could see outside, yep. and they, they plugged that up for, for Frozen Ever After. Right. Uh, the audio So the audio and animatronic figures in the attraction feature improvements in facial animation that were first used on Seven Doors Mine Train. They are also the first ever all-electric audio animatronics with previous audio animatronics using either pneumatics or hydraulics for movement. Okay, interesting. Yeah. While there are no new songs in the attraction, some of the original songs from Frozen have revised lyrics written by the original composers. <coughs> on May 20th, 2016, Disney Parks revealed that the attraction would open on June 21st of that year. On opening day, the wait times were over five hours long as the line started in the China Pavilion. Epcot employees gave out ice cream and water bottles to guests in order to cool off in the hot sun. Is Frozen Ever After an every trip thing for you guys? Uh, I mean, it is now. I gotta say, the last time I was on it, it kind of struck me, like, how good that of a dark ride that is. I do. I really enjoy it. You know the part that I, like, the part when you're, when you're going either up toward, not toward, no, it wasn't toward... I think it's when you're going backwards and you see like the ice forming on the walls of like the palace and yeah. stuff after the let it go part. It's really great. I mean, yeah. I, I do, however, love when it first opened and the animatronics would like not have a face randomly. Yeah. Yeah, I saw face. Yeah, I saw faceless Elsa a couple times. Now, leaving the um, the attraction, we're going over to Akershus Royal Banquet Hall. Have you ever eaten there? Yes. I have never done it. Please tell me about it. I don't remember. It's been so many years. But yeah, oh, it was a long do, time ago. Yeah, they would do princess breakfasts there. Uh-huh. Um, standard breakfast with like a kind of, I remember they had like a platter that was a little different. But I think I ate dinner there one time too and have almost no recollection of it. Probably <laughs> not someplace um, I'm going to be jumping to do again. Well, Akershus Royal Banquet Hall is a medieval castle themed restaurant. It is a character dining experience with Disney princesses. This used to always be known as like the I couldn't get Cinderella's royal table, so I got Akershus. You know what I really liked about it? Prior to um, Frozen being there, you could book this early. You remember like World Showcase used to be closed until 11. 11 o'clock, yeah. And you could get this early and kind of go back there. And it was actually nice to walk around literally by yourself. Yeah. An area of Epcot that was quiet and there was no one around. It was kind of great. That's so cool. 
All right, so the uh, the restaurant is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It is family style meals, and it's all you can eat. It reopened on November fourth, twenty twenty two. It is the most expensive character dining meal at Walt Disney World currently, costing wow. sixty three dollars per adult and forty one dollars per child. The lineup of princesses um, is rotating, and can include Belle, Aurora, Tiana, Ariel, Snow White, Mulan. Cinderella and Mary Poppins. Now, adding Cinderella in there occasionally is interesting because she used to be the one they didn't put in there. Yep. Because that was Cinderella's royal table. However, there was already another Cinderella character experience over at 1900 Park Fair at Grand Floridian. So I guess it made sense to put her in there. So some of the dishes um, include traditional uh, Norwegian meatballs. A chicken and dumplings meal, along with mashed potatoes and gravy, grilled salmon, and macaroni and cheese for lunch and dinner. Breakfast includes a pastry assortment and Norwegian waffles, along with classics like eggs, bacon, and sausage. And that is the Norway Pavilion. There it is. They used to have Vikings that would kind of like walk around. No. They did. Really? Yeah. There used to be like... That's cool. It was like a streetmosphere thing. There'd be like these Vikings that would like come out and like do a thing. Wow. That sounds great. The thing about Norway, though... Never had it. Never has a uh, festival booth. You know, there's no like food and wine booth. They don't. They don't typically put a booth there for any of the other festivals either. Uh, they don't really do much for festival of the holidays either. I don't remember there being like a Norwegian like like holiday thing that they would do there, like the the Père Noël or Father Christmas or right. you know anything like that. Um, but I remember Morty Monster did a video a couple years ago. Where he went around World Showcase and talked to the cast members and asked them about like how their country celebrates the holidays. And the, the girl from Norway told him a lot of really cool stuff. Like apparently in Norway they celebrate Christmas on the twenty fourth. Okay. And so instead of it just being like Christmas Eve, they open a present in the morning. So Santa Claus comes in the morning and then comes again in the evening. So you open one present in the morning and then you open another present like after dinner. Or like multiple presents wow. after dinner with family. I mean, that's crazy. Now, Santa's got to come twice. Yeah, he's got to, like, circle. I guess on the way back to the North Pole, like, he can, you know, circle back around in Norway. Right. Wow. I mean, look, Santa in Europe has got a, a lot of challenges. I mean, obviously, sure the reindeers cannot climb the hills of Italy, so he needs Dominic the donkey. You know, I don't know why the reindeer couldn't just fly over the hills, but this is why I'm not Santa Claus. Yeah. I'm sure there's a reason. You know, maybe... uh Maybe Italy's a no-fly zone for slaves. I don't know. There you go. So originally, I was thinking like, oh, we'll we'll go all the way into the China Pavilion with this one. But with talking about like the history of World Showcase and the Odyssey Center, I figured, okay, let's Mor- do Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> that was fun. I can't believe we got into that. <laughs> uh, so when we pick up next time, we're going to be picking up with the China Pavilion. And then we'll do China, Germany, uh, Italy. And then we'll do U.S., Japan, Morocco, and then we'll close with uh, France, U.K., Canada. That sounds perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, three things. Boom, boom, boom. We'll touch on the little Africa section, but I mean, like, you know, it's not really a thing. It's not like an official pavilion. So, all right. Well, that is this section of the tour. How'd you like that? I loved it. Yeah. I mean... Gotta love the Epcot World Tour. We love doing it. We, uh, you know, it's been a long time since we we sallied forth into the World Tour. Yeah, I'm. I, I 
It's one of my favorite things. You know, it's it's a thing because like now that we're kind of like taking the show more as like a like a full time gig for me, it's it's easier to do these things that involve a lot more research and are a little more labor intensive. So, you know, we could do more of these like more in-depth things now, hopefully. Okay. I, yeah. I love it. And I appreciate your work. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, anything else you wanted to add this week? No. All right. No. Well, then uh, that's going to do it for two minutes in the mouse this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners and to our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash two men in the mouse, uh, where you can find tiers ranging from $3 a month up to $50 a month, all with varying, uh, you know, bits of merchandise that you're able to get stickers to mugs to t-shirts to hoodies uh and you know as well as additional content including video content patron shows the geek watchtower universal content sea world content all this great stuff uh coming at you guys over there on patreon and folks if you love our good friend peter mandel check him out at rogue comics over there at 105 north union avenue Cranford, new jersey 07016 or go to roguecomics.com where you can find a link to pt base store uh, if you're planning a if you're planning a trip anywhere in the world, but specifically Walt Disney World, I mean, because this is where they specialize, check out Away With Me Travel. Our buddy Justin Suter over there. Uh, you can reach out to them at uh, email at show at awaywithmetravel.com. And, uh, you know, great guy over there with a great attention to detail. And for me, folks, the Morty Monster YouTube channel, we are going to be launching, uh, by the time this episode ex- uh, releases, we should have at least one new video out on beating the heat and magic kingdom kind of a little companion piece to our episode from from recently um very very excited it's it's should be good i'm also doing a full morty monster guided walking tour of main street usa video now you want to talk labor intensive this one was labor intensive so wow that sounds it, great though it involves yeah it involves a lot involves a lot of research so we're gonna be talking about what's there what's uh you know what used to be there the story behind everything the windows i mean this is gonna be a long video so buckle up for that one and also we're going to be doing a morty monster at the opening night of halloween horror nights uh coming up wow uh pete i i have it on good authority that morty monster is under the impression that halloween horror nights is a family-friendly like trick-or-treat style uh you know event so he might be in for a bit of a you know bit of a comedic uh you know surprise when it gets there yeah so all right and, and also folks, my books please check them out in the ross and annie series available on amazon.com and you can find my other books under the name vincent valentine uh v-a-l-e-n-t-e-a-n all available on amazon.com in ebook paperback and uh audiobook format and well that does it for this week pete any closing words I'm excited to get the tour going again, but I'll be happy with whatever we do next week. All right, folks, please keep the magic alive every day of your lives. We will see you next week on Two Men and the Mouse. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow just a dream away. If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the monorail stops completely and the doors open. If this concludes your visit, we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely. Thank you for traveling with us. This has been YDF Media Productions.